Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Okay, everybody, I think it's time to have a seat. Sit down wherever you want. Have a seat. Have a seat. Hi. Have a seat wherever. Come on over. Don't be shy. Excuse me. Come on over. It's all right. Yeah, just wherever you feel comfortable, have a seat. All right. Yes. Now, I know some of you are probably a little uncomfortable. It does seem unusual to have group therapy on prayer, but since so many people struggle in this area, I thought it would be good to, to give it a try. So why don't we start by going around the circle and giving our names and saying why we're here. I'll start. My name is Karen, and I'm here to help facilitate this group and hopefully help you all to a happy, healthy prayer life. Go ahead. Well, I'm Brother Doug, and I'm here because the members of my blessed Bible study sent me here. Praise the Lord. And why did they send you here, Doug? Well, I'm not sure, Sister Karen, but I believe, yes, I do believe, hallelujah, amen, that it had something, something to do with grandstanding and interrupting our times together, our blessed times of prayer. Okay, good sharing. Thanks, Doug. To God be the glory, not me. Oh, thanks, Doug. Hallelujah. Next. Praise Jesus. Okay, Doug. Next. <laughs> Hello. My name is Margaret, and I'm not one to gossip, but I'm here because someone who shall remain nameless thought I needed it. Hello. But then again, Evelyn Raffy is always sticking her nose into other people's business. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I'm here. Okay, let's keep going around the circle. Next. Hello. My name is Pam, and I am here because I have difficulty with expressing myself. Okay. Well, we're certainly glad you're here, Pam. Next. Well, I'm Joe. And why are you here, Joe? God knows. Would you mind explaining what you mean to the rest of us? Well, the way I see it, God already knows what we're thinking, so I don't understand what the purpose of prayer is. I mean, if he already knows what I'm going to say before I say it, well, why bother saying it? Well, I hope that by being here, you'll feel free to join in. Okay, you know, prayer is just really talking to God. So we're going to start with what's called an open group prayer. This is where you jump in just whenever you feel led. Keep it short. I won't interrupt this time. This will be kind of a trial run, just so I can see where we all are. Okay, so why don't you just go ahead and bow your heads or close your eyes, whatever you need to do to get comfortable. Okay, and let's begin. Oh, most holy God, Father God, we beseech thee, O Lord, Father God, hallelujah, amen. Lord God, hear our prayers this day. Hallelujah. Amen. We praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, dear. <clears throat> dear God. 
be here with people who care. There are so many out there who don't. Guys? Like Libby Johnson. Now, Lord, you know I'm not one to gossip, but I overheard her the other day telling the cashier, John, that she'd have an affair with the first man that came along just to spot her husband for working so many hours overtime. And let me tell you something, Lord, with that little skimpy sweater and skirt she had on, I was sure the produce man would have gone for her. Margaret. That is, of course, except he's been divorced twice and his third wife would probably kill him. Margaret, keep it short. Amen. Praise God. God. Praise God. God. Hallelujah. God grant us the serenity to change, to accept the things I, I cannot change. And the courage to change the things I can, and 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 and, and. the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, all right. Why don't we stop for a little analysis here? All right. First, I want to remind you all that prayer is just talking to God, like you would talk to a friend. He wants to know what you're feeling. He wants to know what your concerns are. It's really just as simple as that. Now, Pam? Yeah, what? Yeah, I, I need you to be just a little bit more spontaneous. Just tell God how you're feeling and try to use your own words, okay? I'll try. All right. And Doug, buddy, Doug, 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 you only need to say God's name once. He's got excellent hearing. And try to keep your comments to yourself, okay? Amen to that. Well, sister, your comments about the produce man and the like are also a distraction to the holy avenue of prayer. Who do you think you are criticizing the way that I pray? Sister, I discern a very evil spirit lurking deep down inside. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Okay, could we remember that we are here to help one another? All right, we're going to try this one more time. And Joe, please feel free to jump in whenever you want. Okay, all right, here we go. Holy God, Father God, we beseech thee, O Lord. Doug, just say his name once. Lord, some people in here have really big mouths. Lord God, you rested on the seventh day. May some here tonight learn to rest their opinions. Deliver us from evil. Amen. Lord, shut some people's mouths so that others may speak. God, out of thy merciful compassion, stuff her mouth. Ah, God, get me out of here. Joe, Joe, that was excellent. God just wants to know what's in your heart. Amen. <laughs> so, does anyone want to guess what we're talking about this morning? Seriously, just take a wild guess. Here's the thing. We're, we're talking about prayer uh, because prayer is probably one of the most misunderstood uh, things in Christendom. It is also one of the most misrepresented and underused things in Christendom. Can you switch back to the, the laptop? 
Now, uh, last week, if you were here, we were walking through the book of Jonah, and we're still going to be walking through uh, the book of Jonah. So if you have a Bible, take it out, break out to the uh, book of Jonah, and we're, we're going to walk through it. But let me, let me just share this with you quickly. Um, what we see in the book of Jonah coming up next, like I said, we're going week by week, chapter by chapter. What we see in the book of Jonah is probably one of the most amazing prayers, but also one of the most overlooked prayers in Scripture. And what Jonah does is he just literally prays Scripture. We're going to see that. All he does is pull on Scripture and use that to express his frustration and, and his anger and, and, and his level of repentance. But here's, here's the really cool thing, that he does that in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of his hurt, in the midst of his pain. He doesn't do it way after thinking, you know, next time I'll, I'll you know, woo, God got me out of this, I'll, I'll praise God for this. Uh, he doesn't do it like many people say, you know, when you're, when you're on the other side or when you're up on the hilltop or when times are good, make sure, go through, read your scripture, give God praise. It's in the midst of his struggle, in the midst of his trial, that he begins to pray that he begins to talk to God. Now, this is, this is really cool. Let me show you this. Uh, where do I put? Okay, here we go. From, I'm going to, you open to the book of Jonah, and I'm going to show you where we left off last week, because this is what precipitated him spending some time in prayer with God. There we go. It's working. All right. In Jonah chapter 1, ver- last verse of chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had prepared... And appointed, this is the Amplified Version, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is pretty much God knew beforehand uh, that Jonah was going to, you know, rebel. He was going to be disobedient and, and do all that stuff. And God had prepared and appointed and knew a fish to come and to swallow up Jonah. This is the equivalent of when your child, you know, gets, it, for those of you that, that do that, your child gets in trouble and you set them in a, in a timeout in the corner. Anybody remember Dennis the Menace and how he was always sitting in the corner with, a, he had a little teddy bear or something with him, always in the corner. Uh, and there's, you know, he needed some time to think about what he did and dwell on what he did. Today, parents don't discipline their child that way so much. Uh, most of them will try to reason with the child. And explain to the child, you know, here's why you shouldn't do that again. Here's why that's wrong. And leave it at that. God's not interested in reasoning with Jonah. And he's not interested in reasoning with us. Do you know why? Because he's God. (laughs) When you're God, you don't have to reason with anyone. You're God. You created everything. You own all things. You can do anything. Uh, So when God calls Jonah and says, hey, I want you to go and minister to the city of Nineveh and Jonah rebels, then God says, okay, he sends the storm, a supernatural, unheard of storm. Even the community of men on the boat were like, wow, this is not normal. Surely this must be some supernatural thing that occurred. We've got to, like, draw lots to figure out who caused it because it's not just a natural storm. And then they end up throwing him overboard. And you and I, at times, when God calls us and says, I need you to go and talk to this person. I need you to go and pray for this person. I need you to go and do these things. Sometimes we just don't have the oomph to say, okay, God, we'll do it for whatever reason we choose not to. Maybe we're scared. 
Uh, maybe we're afraid that someone's going to talk bad about us. Maybe we're afraid we're going to get fired. If God's saying go up to that coworker at work and talk to them, and we're like, uh, nope, not this time, God. I'm not risking my job for you or for them. And then sometimes God has to discipline us in order to allow us to understand that we're not God, that he's God. Now, it's different if you're in a position where you don't know God, because there's a whole lot of people in this world don't know God, don't follow God. And so they're not bound by it. The same way that your parents, I'll use my parents, when my mom used to spank me, they call it spanking. It was a good old-fashioned whooping. But when she used to do that to me, she didn't do that to other children. And, I, you know, when you're getting spanked, you're like, he did it too. Why isn't he getting in trouble? And she'd be like, he's not my child. And so I would get in trouble. Of course, when she got home, she would call their parents and they'd get spanked too. But you didn't know that at the time. Do you guys' parents still do that today? Do you tattle on other kids? Uh, never mind. All right, anyway. So here we're going to do This is uh, turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 2. And we're starting off in verse 1. And it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, this is cool because this is different from what most people do today. Most of us, when we're in a situation where, uh, you know, whether it's God told us to do something or we went and did something on our own, but no matter what the cause, when we're dealing with the consequences of our own actions, we tend to not want to pray to God. We want to blame God. We want to yell at God. We want to blame other people. But very rarely will we stop and pray, conversate, and listen to God. Now, here's the cool thing. If we would, it is very, very, very likely we would not get in that same situation again. If we would stop, when we're dealing with the consequences of something that we did that caused us to get, let me put it this way, when I do something stupid that gets me in trouble, and I've learned this the hard way, if I will stop, number one, and call on God and say, okay, God, I screwed up. That's why I'm here. If I will, number two, be willing to listen to God, even if that includes, Floyd, you're going to have to deal with the consequences, then usually... If I do listen to him, I don't end up in that same circumstance again. It's when I don't listen to him that I find myself going full circle back to, all right, God, here we are again, and I need your help again. And I know I'm probably the only one that that occurs to because a lot of you are much smarter than me and don't make those kind of mistakes. But here, verse 2, this is really cool. This is what Jonah says, verse 2. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me from the depths of the grave. Now, in the King James Version, it says he answered me from hell. And what you will find is a lot of theologians, uh, side theological note, a lot of theologians believe that Jonah actually died and he drowned and that God resurrected him. And, and, and as you'll see, as we read through some of these verses, it makes it sound like that. But they also tend to say that uh, if we read the verse where Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, then I will be in the earth three days and three nights. And they kind of parrot that or couple that with some of the verses we're about to read to say that, well, Jesus was dead three days and three nights. And if he was 
in the earth in the same way that Jonah was in the belly. They use that to say Jonah died. Whether Jonah died or didn't die, it doesn't transgress the miracle that God preserved him, that he repented from his rebellion in God, and then God used him to bring an entire city, and many people think an entire nation, into relationship with God. Now, this is what he says next in verse 3. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Kind of sounds like he was drowning. But here's the thing. Here, uh, from almost all of these verses, he is pulling Scripture literally out of the Psalms and praying it. In verse 3, we just read, here's what it says in Psalm 42. Now, many of you are familiar with this because in verse 1, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. We're familiar with that. We sing the song, as the deer panteth for... I was waiting for someone to join in, but anyway. Okay, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Verse 7, now you see why I need you at the nursing home because I can't sing worth a leg. Verse 7, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. He's just pulling straight out of the Psalms and using those to express his anger, his frustration, his torment, and later his repentance to God. Verse 4, I said, I have been banished from your sight. Basically, he's saying, I'm, I'm done for. I'm dealing with my consequence. I have been pushed away from you to deal with my rebellion because of you. Yet I will look again toward your hel- holy temple. Here's what Psalm 31, verse 21 to 22 says. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. This is David who wrote this psalm, and he's basically praying, hey, I was in war, I was getting beat down. But verse 22, in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard me cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Now, this is David saying, you know what, I was cut off. There was absolutely, positively no way that you, God, would have been able to come in, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called for you for help. The same thing that Jonah is saying. And when we pray scripturally, when we pray the scriptures, when we pull from scriptures or whatever, and it's not that you have to memorize them, because I don't have them memorized. Lots of pastors, I know people think that, you know, we're paid to read the Bible for a living. We don't have it memorized. But what we do know is that if you just pray that, God, I know I'm in a circumstance that it seems like there's no way out. But here's what I do know. In your word, David was in a circumstance, and you got him out. Jonah was in a circumstance, and you got him out. So I have trust and faith in you, God, that no matter what my circumstance, you can get me out. And it's putting your faith and trust in what God has already done. Next verse, verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Now, here's what, excuse me, here's what. In, 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 in the Amplified, it says the waters compassed me about even to the extinction of life. Again, it sounds like he was drowning or dying. And here's what, here's what a lot of theologians believe. And, and you'll see this in the next verse. They believe that the guys threw him overboard and that this was a, a supernatural storm. 
that the waters crushed into him. He was either knocked unconscious or just, you know, pushed down. And he sunk to the bottom, drowned or nearly drowned, and then the fish swallowed him up. It's not like the fish came and put his head out of the water, you know, like God was like, here, boy, here, boy, up, up, and he up. And then Jonah went in, and then he was like, good boy, which would be so cool if he did. But that's, it, it, that's probably not how it happened. It was more of they threw him into the water, and the fish, under God's command, had to go and get him. But here's what it says in the Psalms. Psalm 69, verse 1 and 2. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, and the floods engulf me. In verse 6, it says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you bought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Now, again, this is, this is Jonah praying, but if you look at what it says in the Psalms, Psalm 30, verse 1 to 3, again, this is David. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Again, he's saying, basically, this is David saying, hey, God, I was near death or dying, and you saved me from death. And this is the same thing that Jonah is praying. Right? Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. In Psalm 18, 5 to 6, the cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. Whoops, sorry. I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Now, this is more than just, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This is more than just Jonah um, saying, hey, you know what? I'm pulling on prayer. It's Jonah pulling on scripture to pray because he's putting his faith and trust that God is going to preserve him. In other words, I'm going to see God's temple again. It's the confidence of I will get out of this but because of you, God, you're the one who will deliver me. And I am now putting my faith and trust in the fact that this will be over soon. And a lot of us, depending on what trial and what tribulation we're going through, when we look at it, we tend to think that because of the, the, the size of what we're going through, especially if it's financial, you know, like government shutdown or whatever, or if it's, especially if it's medical, because it's physically with you, all the time, we tend to think that there is absolutely positively no way I can overcome this, and we can't see past the situation. And what Jonah is doing, and what David repeatedly did, is say that God is bigger than my situation, bigger than my circumstance, and I know that he can get me out of this. And when you're in the circumstance, that's all you see. If you're in a struggle, if you're in a fight, if you're in a dark place, that's all you see. But this is where faith comes in. This is where the supernatural aspect of God comes in. Because he is telling you, don't put your faith and trust in what you see. Put your faith and trust in me. 
And then for those of us that are not able to just say, oh, I don't know, God, this is a pretty big situation, then he is saying, well, that's where pray the word of God. Because you don't have to worry about, can God do it? Because scripturally, he's already done it. That's why Jonah is able to pray what David prayed. God, if you did it for David, you can do it for me. And neither one of those guys were like the, you know, the saints that you would want to put up on the top of a hill. Jonah's in there because he's in rebellion to God and running from God. David had multiple, I mean, we could do a year-long thing on, you know, family dysfunction, lust, murder, adult, I mean, you name it. Only thing I don't think he did was theft. But everything else. And as far as I know, none of us have racked up that many things for God to look at us and say, hey, 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 I'm, I'm not going to help you. What God wants is for us to say, hey, God, you're not coming to my help because of who I am. You're coming to my help because of who you are. It's not because I'm that good and you want to hold me up. It's, God, that you're that good. So in my circumstance, I want to hold you up. So that not just me, and this is where Jonah's story comes in, so that other people might look and say, wow, that's the kind of God I want to know. Because he brought you through your medical issue, you through your financial issue, you through your family issue, you through your issue with your children. That's the kind of God that they want to know. Now, the rest of these verses I'm going to put up on the screen. Verses 8 and 9, verse 8 says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Now, this is really cool because he is down praying this somewhere in that three-day time span. And the men, the community of men up on the boat who previously did not know God are up on the boat literally doing this. We read these were guys who, you know, worshiped other gods. They told Jonah, go find your God and, and, and pray to him because of the storm. But then when he reveals to them who his God is, then these men, they give praise to Jehovah, the one true God. They offer sacrifices to the one true God. And they make vows, give offerings to the one true God. Not because Jonah was in some great place, but during his trials and tribulations, and he shared it with a community of people that came to put their faith and trust in God. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come up because this next part is probably, in my opinion, the coolest part of what's going on. This is what you typically don't see and a lot of people don't dwell on. In verse 10, it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, first, sorry, because I know everyone's getting ready to go to lunch. We're going to talk about vomit for a minute. But it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, this is so cool because it didn't vomit Jonah into shallow water. And he walked onto dry land. It didn't vomit Jonah like projectile. I'm sorry, I know the vomit thing. It didn't projectile vomit. And it's, you're happy because I was looking for pictures to put up. But all right. It didn't projectile vomit Jonah onto dry land. The fish had to come up onto dry land at God's command 
And it only did this where it says and in some versions, it says then. But the only reason that word is there is so that we may read and know that that action that God commanded the fish to do was in response to Jonah's prayer. God responds to prayer. When we get together, if we, when we just pray on our own, God hears us and he responds to us. When we pray as a community, God hears us and he responds to us. When we pray as the body of Christ coming together across denominations, putting aside denominations, political affiliations, putting aside financial situations, and just coming together as God's people to say, God, we want to speak to you and we want to hear from you. God responds to us. This is why, um, I don't remember who I was talking to, we have all of these prayer events coming up. In November uh, 3rd, we're doing the pre-election night of prayer and praise. Not to, you know, push a political candidate, not to push a political party, but so that we, the people of God, can come and sing praise to and pray to the Lord God. And this is, this is really cool. Kevin, can I ask you to just stand up for a minute? And just bow your head as if you're praying. So when Kevin goes before God, whether it be here, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, God responds to that. God hears that. It's a powerful thing. God has given him the ability, the Lord and creator of the universe. When he does that, God says, I'm here. I hear you. But then when Bonnie, can you stand up? Can you grab Kevin's hand? And can you bow your head to pray? Now, when they come together as husband and wife to pray, God hears, even though they may be praying in unison or praying separate things in unison or not even speaking out loud, God hears them as a married couple, and he responds to their prayer. Now I'm going to ask the whole row, can you guys just all stand up? So when they, and bow your heads as if you're praying, and we are going to pray, so don't feel like, okay. So when they all together, now there's a whole community of people just bowing their heads and praying to God. God hears that. He responds to that. And the Bible tells us he wants that. He wants to hear from us. It's not as if every time they go to pray, he's like, what, again, I got to hear from these guys. It's more like, praise God, again, I get to hear from these guys. And when they do it, then what typically happens, especially in a public setting, when people see people from all over, and I'm going to ask Karen, can you stand up? And uh, John, can you stand up? Both cats. Awesome. So now what happens is it's not just one family, but it's a group of people, a community of people standing up, seeking and praying. And when other people see that, if you don't know where I'm going with this, can everybody else just stand up? It draws the body of people who would probably say, well, they're praying, but I don't know if I would do that. I don't want to do that in public. But if consistently over and over you see God's people coming together, bowing their heads and praying, then it draws the other people who for whatever reason feel like, I don't want to do that in public. Maybe it's not right to pray. I don't want to join a prayer thing. But at some point, you come together and you're drawn in with the body of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, to pray. And God calls his people to pray. We're going to just lift our hearts to to God in in song in a minute. But right now, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads.
and we're going to give praise God to you for who you are. Not because of anything that we're done, but because you tell us in your word first and foremost that you love us with a never-ending love. And that if we ask anything in your name, that you hear us. And even though they haven't spoken it out yet, God, we know that there are people here who are asking for prayers for family members because we have, like that community of believers on the boat with Jonah, we have people who are in our community that don't know you. God, and we would do anything that they might experience your love. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, Allow us to uh, not be like Jonah, but to be obedient and drawing us to whatever we need to do. Give us the words to say. Open the doors. Provide the opportunities that we might go. And either through sharing our circumstances or talking about just how good you are, that they might come to experience your love, God. God, we also pray because we know that there are people who have family members that are sick and hurting and in need of healing. And God, we're not putting our faith in a blind thing, but we're putting our faith in what we have seen you do throughout your word over and over and over again, where you were able to heal people who put their faith and their trust in you. And where we have seen in this congregation, God, where people who had medical ailments and issues, where you delivered them, you healed them, you made them whole. Not by anything we did, but by the power of your word. God, and we pray most importantly for a spirit of unity throughout your people that your people, the people who are called by your name, the people who put their faith and their trust and love in you would come together as your people to boldly proclaim the name of the Lord our God. God, we pray that we would be the people that in our circles of influence in this community and that across denominations come together and boldly proclaim that we are yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just join us as we sing this song. God, we submit ourselves to you submit our lives to you. We pray that as we just sung, that we would be truly yours. Not just in word only, but also in deed, that we would live our lives in a way that is honoring to you. And that we would be willing, as you did with us, by sharing your love and your life with us, that we would share our love for others by sharing our lives with them. God, we pray for those here again who are praying for family members, praying for financial needs, praying for healing, praying for children, praying for parents. God, we just wholly and fully submit ourselves and humble ourselves in your presence. We 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.